Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. What is going on, Broncos country? Tanner Lee and Jeff Ryan here for another edition of the Orange Weekly post-game podcast. Coming off the Broncos' third win of the year and a 24-19 win over the Cleveland Browns. The Broncos are now 3-6 and six, heading into the bye week. But, Jeff, you were lucky enough to see that Broncos victory live. Tell me about how the game day environment was the atmosphere before the game, how the crowd was, attendance-wise, uh, just everything that was going on. Yeah, Tanner, good to be back with you on another post-game podcast here for the uh, Orange Weekly. Um, it was awesome. It was great to be at a game that we actually won after having seen two losses on the road this year in Oakland and Indy. It was nice to get on the winning side of things, and Broncos country made it even better. Um, it was really fun to you know, all things considered for a now three and six football team, I could say that, uh, the game day environment was pretty good. Um, most teams I would say in the NFL probably don't have that kind of support when their team is two and six. So that was nice to see. Um, I think the no shows was around 2,900, which <clears throat> of course in Broncos country, we boo if there's one no show. So 2,900 is still a decent amount, but Really, all things considered, not not bad. The environment, it was loud. Um, lots of Browns fans, which wasn't surprising at the start of the year. They had, you know, so much to look forward to with all the pieces that they brought in. Um, and traveling to Denver, I think, is a piece, you know, a place on a lot of people's schedules that they want to go. So it was not surprising to. Me. Um, but we quieted them down pretty quickly, and um, it was great to see them go home sad. And what, and what were the uh, pregame vibes like? I mean, I mean, I don't know if you and your dad talked to any fans around you or anything, but if you did, was everybody feeling kind of confident or just not sure? You know, it's the first career start of Brandon Allen. Broncos coming off back-to-back losses. But the Browns coming in at 2-5. Uh, and five, I mean. Yeah. I, there wasn't really – many expectations from people, you know, I had no idea what to think of Brandon Allen. I know last time we talked, um, you know, we had worried about the potential of him, you know, throwing a lot of interceptions and, um, while his mobility was going to be a plus, you know, his inexperience and not having the knowledge of an NFL defense yet because he hadn't played a snap in the NFL regular season wise, just didn't know how confident he would be. But, um, 
I think because of that, the expectations were very low. The vibe was, you know, it's, it's still fun. You know, I, I can say people here are so passionate about the Broncos that for, again, like I said, for a two and six team, you couldn't tell that we were two and six. People were still having a great time, plenty busy before the game and um, didn't feel too much different than most other games to me. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. I mean, it, it looked pretty good on TV. Um, it it mm-hmm. looked like it was pretty loud, like you uh, indicated. So that's that's always good to hear. Yeah, let's yeah. let's let's talk about Brandon Allen a little bit. I mean, first career start, he gets the W, doesn't turn over the ball, goes twelve for twenty for one hundred ninety three yards, two touchdowns, had five carries for thirteen yards. I understand. Uh, I've seen a few critics out there saying that, you know, yeah, you look at that one hundred ninety three yards, but seventy five of it or whatever was on the play. Noah Fant broke three tackles that almost any def- any defender makes in the NFL. Well, what I got to say to those critics is that's just part of the game. People miss tackles sometimes yeah. and people make big plays. I mean, um, I, I thought he played pretty good. I mean, he wasn't overwhelming by any means, but he played a lot better than I was expecting. Yeah, I thought you said it perfectly. He did his job. Um, I, what I was most impressed with is that he didn't turn the ball over. There was a couple, a couple uh, sketchy plays, but um, overall I thought they – actually put a pretty good game plan in place for him to succeed and got him out in space moving, which you could see was definitely a plus side, but his ability to roll out and create a little bit of um, plays with his feet was something we haven't seen all year with Blacko. So I thought that was nice. Um, and the throw that he made to Fant was incredible. I, when you look back at that play, um, there is a guy coming uh, from the left side. Of course, the only guy beat on the line on that play was Bowles. Um, but he could fill that pressure, got the got rid of the ball, and then Fant, of course, as you said, um, made made a great play to have three missed tackles. Maybe also poor defense, but like you said, that's part of the game and um, helped us get a big win. And 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 it was really Noah Fant's coming out party. I mean, this is what we were expecting to see more of of a first round pick. You know, like that mm-hmm. seventy five yard play. That's the type of place he had at Iowa during his college career. He ended up yeah. with three catches for 115 yards and one touchdown. Um, hopefully we see more, more, more of that out of him going forward. Yeah, he needs to be a, a integral part of the offense. And I think the fact that Flacco has been our quarterback is part of the reasons that he hasn't been able to get involved because most tight ends in the NFL get involved when the quarterback is on a rollout or can create plays. I feel like that's uh, an added bonus to this team is being able to utilize those those specific play calls so I expect to see a lot more of him in the next few weeks as well and it was interesting on that play that he hit Fant for the big gain in the touchdown Garrett Bowles whiffed really bad on the block and I oh, yeah I think if Joe Flacco was behind center that would have been a sack I don't think Flacco gets that ball off as quick as Brandon no. Allen did and and kudos to Brandon Allen he took quite quite the licking on that play but Hunt in yeah. the pocket and knew it was coming and made the throw and got up afterwards and it was a touchdown. So, no, I'm I'm glad you bring that up because that's the biggest takeaway I had from this game in terms of the quarterback play is that I I don't think we win the game. I honestly don't if Joe Flacco is the quarterback because that play alone, um, I agree. I think Flacco would have been sacked. Um, he also took a few more shots to the end zone. I don't know if that was the play design or what. But, um, of course, the, the touchdown pass to Sutton was nice, which we'll get into. And then he took one other shot uh, right before half that ended up being incomplete. But even just taking those shots, we haven't seen that at all from Flacco. So I really 
it's like you said, it wasn't overwhelming, but I don't think we win the game if Flacco's in quarterback that day. And the other thing you saw was just a change of speed by the team. It, it looked like there was a purpose. Um, everyone just seemed to be playing with more of a purpose, which was really nice to see. Yeah, I, I can't I can't argue with you. I don't think they win either if Joe Flacco is behind center. Um, it just looked like a different spark. He kind of added a different spark element to the team, and mm-hmm. um, it was really nice to see. Of course, the ground game helped a little bit. Uh, Phil Lindsay had nine carries for 92 yards and a touchdown. Royce Freeman, five carries for 15 yards. Like I mentioned earlier, Brandon Ma- Brandon Allen, five carries for 13 yards. And Cortland Sutton had one carry for seven yards. I thought, uh, I thought Phil uh, – played a good game and it was interesting we didn't get him involved at all from a receiving standpoint yeah kind of is interesting that because that's usually a big part of his offense but he ran the ball really hard as he always does which was was nice to see and that long touchdown he had for 30 yards um to make it 24 12 when they threw that flag you know the pessimist and my dad and i thought for sure and the way the season has gone thought for sure that that was going to be offensive holding Yep. And so for that to be defensive uh, or illegal hands of the face was just so nice. Yep, and then I thought Scangrillo uh, drew up the perfect play for the game-winning first down. The Wildcats mm-hmm. snapped to Phil Lindsay, oh, yeah. which I harped on Garrett Bowles earlier, so I got to give him kudos on this one. He took two guys on on that block, one on, with each hand uh, on that play. He so, did, yeah, which, he, which was great to see. And yeah. Fant made a huge block on that as well. Yeah, so it was nice to see some good blocking down the field. We went over our fans receiving stats earlier. Cortland Sutton, five catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. And that touchdown catch was one of the best catches I've seen out of a Broncos receiver in a long time. And he pretty much mossed that guy. I still don't know how, yeah. how he came up with that ball. And I, I, think, I think that settled Brandon Allen's nerves down tremendously. And just just my opinion, I think I think that really settled Brandon Allen's nerves down. Oh, definitely. And he, he even said in the post game that it did. You know, he said um, that he actually made a terrible throw on it, which I didn't think it was a terrible throw. I mean, it wasn't great by any means, but Sutton did make all that play happen all by himself. And then other receiving options, uh, Devontae Booker. Yes, Devontae Booker. <laughs> One catch for 14 yards. That was the second play he's been in all year. Um, and that was his first either reception or uh, rushing attempt he's had all year. So it was actually nice to see him do something. Uh, Troy Fumagalli had one catch for nine yards. Devontae Spencer, one catch for no yards. And Royce Freeman, one catch for negative one yards. So uh, didn't spread the ball around a ton, but didn't really need to. No. It was a, it was a really well-designed game plan that I think for the team that we were playing, it worked out perfectly. And uh, who do you give a game ball or game balls to on offense? Well, definitely Fant. I mean, he had the best game of his career. Um, I was going to highlight, which I talked about, the block that he made um, to win the game on that third down play um, after a timeout, which was a well-used timeout by Fangio. And then in a great design by Skings and good blocking by uh, Bowles, like you mentioned. And then the three catches with the long touchdown pass gets him in game ball. And then I also give it to um, I'd give one to Brandon Allen for coming in in his first start and doing his job. I mean, you can't ask for more. Yep, I would give my – if I had one game ball to give, I'd give it to Brandon Allen like the Broncos really did uh, in, yep. in the post game, which is which pretty neat to see. Uh, yep. Defensively, uh, the Broncos had a couple guys have really good games. It was nice to see Justin Hollins, the uh, rookie, get his first sack. 
Um, Derek mm-hmm. Wolf also had a sack. He now leads the team in sacks with five. So he's still, you know, silently having a really good year. Justin yep. Simmons had six tackles, including a huge tackle on a third and one that set the Browns back to a fourth and four. That was a huge play mm-hmm. in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, A.J. Johnson had six solo tackles but seven assisted tackles. He was flying around great. the field. He has been great. And Devontae Harris, I thought, had a good game, five solo tackles. Mm-hmm. So the Broncos are really getting guys to step up big time. They really are because there's a lot of names that most people don't know around the NFL on this team, and they're, you know, on a defense that's still putting up great numbers and keeping us in games. I mean, we've been in virtually every single game except for the Chiefs game because of our defense. So it's good to see. The rush rush defense was fantastic. Held Nick Chubb to only 65 yards on 20 attempts. Baker Mayfield had 22 yards on three attempts. Uh, Hilliard had uh, eight yards on five attempts and. OBJ had negative five yards on one attempt. Uh, Mayfield did throw for 273 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions on 27 of 42 attempts. And OBJ had a decent game with five catches for 87 yards, except I thought Chris Harris Jr. was all over him a couple times, but Beckham just did what Beckham does and made some outstanding plays. Yeah, he's a special player. Um, But yet they don't give him the ball on fourth and fourth. I know. it was one-on-one with Harris. It would have been a tough play, but if, if I'm a Baker Mayfield, I'd throw it up to him. I, mean, I let, yep. him, let him go get it, but instead he tried to go over the middle to uh, Jarvis Landry, who had six catches for 51 yards, and we had it scouted out well and had him double-teamed. Yeah. No, I thought Baker looked kind of like a typical young quarterback. He just looks a little rattled at times and gets a little happy feet in, in the pocket sometimes. And I don't know. I think that allows him to not see the field as well, and that's probably how he missed Beckham on that I agree. I think that's probably a touchdown. So. He, he's definitely regressed a little bit this year, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Heck, the guy's got something going on mentally, because I don't know if you saw that, but he shaved his face three different times on <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, um, yeah bizarre. And, and at the end, he looked like a Randy Marsh off of uh, South Park. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, man. He's That, that team is just – I'm surprised we haven't seen a locker room implosion yet, and I think it's yeah. I think it's coming. I think the fuse has been lit. Now, when's yeah. it going to explode? Is the question. Yeah, they're just big personalities, and it's, yep. it's just not that surprising to me. And their head coach, I think, is a big problem for all of this. I mean, he's got to be one of the lamer head coaches in the NFL. I mean, his his uh, post game press conference was atrocious. I thought it was just so like cookie cutter and giving everybody what they want to hear instead of what actually needs to be said. It wouldn't shock me to see Freddie Kitchens get fired after one year. And I think no. our old buddy Adam Gase is well on his way of getting fired after one year in New York. Yeah. So, um, any game balls on defense? Um, I would give one to Derek Wolf. I think, for mm-hmm. setting that mark of uh, most sacks on the team. And I thought he's just been a really dominant force all season. And uh, he was hurt in that indie game um, near the end of the game. And, came back strong and did fine and and then played really well this Sunday. So I'd give him the game ball. Yeah, I like that pick. And I'll, I'll give a game ball to uh, Alexander Johnson for yeah. having 13 combined tackles. I like that. That's, 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 that's a pretty good game. But I could have gave it – we could have gave it to many different guys on defense. I thought the defense played well, and I think the defense is really starting to click. I think they're starting mm-hmm. to understand this Fangio-Donatel defense. And um, I, I expect them to play solid the rest of the year going forward. Yeah. 
Um, so yep. the Broncos sit at three and six going into the bye week. Definitely not what we wanted, but I thought Vic Fangio made a good statement. We could definitely be a few games better, but we couldn't be a few games worse. I thought that was a pretty good statement after the game because he's right. Three and six is about the worst the Broncos could be. Um, yeah, but they could easily be six and three right now. And that, and like you've said in every single one of these podcasts, you know, the good teams. Um, separate themselves by being able to win those games and the bad teams don't and that's why we're three and six but it is frustrating from a fan perspective to know that those three games not only would we be in the playoff hunt but we'd actually be um at the top of the division <laughs> so definitely a little bit disheartening but and where uh, we're at in this in, in the concerning thing is now that you look at the remaining schedule for the broncos every game's tough every yeah. single game's got to be tough it's uh yeah. I mean, they're going to have to play really well to even find a way maybe to win one. I hate to say that. Um, well, you're right. And, I mean, it starts next week or in two weeks at Minnesota. Um, but I, I got a question for you. I mean, we got, we got to assume Brandon Allen's still the guy going into Minnesota, correct? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's no reason that Rippon uh, would, would get the job in luck. Lock, excuse me, um, hasn't practiced at all. So yes, yeah, and it, and he should be activated uh, during the bye week, I assume. Yeah, to start so practicing. I read a little bit more about this, and I still think it's a stupid reason. But they said that they didn't want to activate him until after the bye week, so that they could utilize the full three weeks of practice off the IR that they're allowed, and that had they activated him this past week. Um, it wouldn't have given them the full three weeks because they take a lot of time off during the bye week. And so I get that in some regards, but also it only means that he's going to be playing maybe one, maybe two games at the most at the end of the season. And I just, I don't think that's going to give you a good eye test of what he's going to bring to the team next year, especially if we're, let's say we're four and 10 going into our last two games I mean, how can you build any confidence to put a rookie quarterback out there to see what he can do? I, I don't, I just don't see it. So you don't think we'll see him uh, come December when we host the Chargers? Well, I mean, unless he's ready to go, but if if he's going to be activated this week, he'll miss. Let's see, Minnesota, Buff, Minnesota, and Buffalo, and then we're home against the Chargers. LA. I suppose that could be the first time we could see him, but I think that I makes know. the most sense. I mean, especially if, if Brendan Allen struggles and goes 0-2 at Minnesota and at Buffalo, I don't yeah. know how you, you – don't you, I don't know how – oh, man, I'm getting fired up already. I don't know <laughs> how you can plausibly think, you know, that if, how Elway can possibly think not to give Drew Locke a shot. you got to see what you have in him. You have to. No, I, I agree. Um, but, but, I mean – you know, this is this is what I'm I'm concerned. You know, I just don't want this. You know, I and I hope Brendan Allen plays well, and I hope he plays well enough that we beat Minnesota and Buffalo. But I'm just a little skeptical because it's a road starts a lot different than a home start, and those defenses are a lot different than yeah. Cleveland's defense. They're very um, good. They're so very I good. I just don't think things are going to go that well. But maybe I'll be wrong. But I'm kind of fearful down deep that this he's going to play just well enough that we don't get a chance to see Drew Locke. I, I don't want this. Yeah. I don't want the front office to look at Brendan Allen like they did Trevor Simeon, just good enough to hang on, and then we don't find out what we have behind him. I know. I mean, he would have to play 
<clears throat> lights out and, you know, win the next, you know, literally the next two games to not, you know, to consider playing against LA if, if Locke is going to play that week. Um, so I think odds are against Brandon Allen right now, regardless of how he plays. I think, uh, like I said, I think we'd have to win both those games and he has to play lights out, not throwing any interceptions, probably averaging two to three touchdowns a game to say there's no reason to start Locke. I, I don't think Elway is willing to um, let Locke just sit around for nothing. But who knows? I Who knows what the team's thinking. And I don't want Broncos country to be sitting here thinking, man, Tanner really just – all he does is rip the team and rip rip the ownership and the in the front office and the quarterbacks. No, I'm just saying, you know, I, Brendan Allen, is a, he's in the NFL for a reason. Don't get me wrong. He's an all-time – career passing touchdown leader at Arkansas so he can play but he's only on the Broncos because Drew Locke got hurt in week three of yeah. the preseason if Drew Locke right. did not get hurt they don't pick Brandon Allen up when he gets cut by the Rams so right. and you took a second round pick you you traded to get that pick to get Drew Locke yeah. so you I just think you you did all that work to get him you have to see what you have in him you just yes you just can't let yes. him sit there so that's kind of kind of my thoughts on that. Oh, I agree. Um, but uh, uh, do you have any more thoughts on the Broncos uh, before we hurry up and pick some games? I know you kind of got a time limit here, so. Well, I I think the team. Um, it's you know it's funny to see after a win how much more positive energy there is in a city and in a in the media and stuff. It's just amazing what wins can do for you, but. Um, I, it's, it was nice to see Allen get a win. I, I agree that he's it wasn't perfect by any means. I mean, 12 completions is nothing to write home about, and he missed some throws that were pretty easy throws. But I do think a lot of that is just getting in your first NFL game. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like against Minnesota. That's a very good defense with a, a really good secondary um, and a defensive front that could absolutely destroy Garrett Bowles. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. And then Buffalo, the same thing. So yep. um, I agree. I mean, I think. You know, obviously you want the guy to do well, but I think we're all kind of waiting for when Drew Locke's going to get in, and hopefully that's soon, and hopefully he creates even more of a spark. Couldn't say it better, my friend. I, I agree with you right there. Um, you want to pick some games real quick? Why don't you do it? Thursday night, uh, this used to be my least favorite matchup in the NFL, but that has changed a little bit over the years uh, to a different matchup. But anyhow, <laughs> you got the Los Angeles Chargers at the Oakland Raiders on Thursday night. I'm going to go with the road team. I think Oakland's playing well, and a lot of people are putting them in a playoff contention um, category for legitimate reasons. But the Chargers are really picking it up. They had a great win against Green Bay. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, L.A. I agree I with San you. <laughs> I even made the comment to one of my friends the week before when they won by uh, one point against the Bears. I said, the mm-hmm. Chargers finally found a way to win a close game. Now they're going to mm-hmm. roll. And what did they do? Yep. They took care of Green Bay at home, which was really like a Lambeau West game. Right. Um, and, and, and real quick, before we pick the rest of these games, I just want to get your thoughts real fast. Yep. What do you think of these rumors that the Chargers could potentially not end up in Los Angeles after all and could go to London or maybe even St. Louis? Well, I know the London conversations were shut down really quickly by their owner. Who knows? But know. he also shut down the L.A. rumors. Back exactly. when they were in San Diego, so no, it's a good point. I, 
I mean, I definitely don't want to know. I don't want a team in London full time. I know the NFL is trying to get that to happen, mm-hmm. but I, I just think traveling to London is just so hard for NFL teams. And you'd have to, I, I don't know, there would have to be a lot of things to make sense. But, um, you know, St. Louis, if they could build that outdoor stadium, I suppose I would much rather see them there than, than in L.A. I don't think they're going to do well at all in L.A. I mean, they have no, no they're fans not going now. To. No. So LA I don't cares know about the I Lakers. Mean, that's it when it comes to sports. Yeah. And actually, Maybe you know, putting them, well, that's true, yeah. but putting them in St. Louis would actually be pretty interesting because you could keep them in the AFC West and then you'd have still a natural rivalry and even become more of a rivalry with the chiefs true. being only, uh, three to four hours from Kansas city. So, true. um, it's not, you know, St. Louis is not a football town by any means. That's why they left. Um, and their stadium wasn't going to get rebuilt, but I don't know. It would be interesting. I, I do think I, I'd much rather see them go back to San Diego, but I know that's not going to happen. I just I don't want to see them in L.A. They're going to fail miserably there. Yeah, and if they went to London, I saw where they think the Texans could move to the West and, and, or mm. the, or, and have the Chargers be in the South, or they could go the Chargers. This makes more sense to me. The Chargers in the East switch the Dolphins to the South and the Texans to the West. Yeah, that would be interesting. It, but it, it, I don't it would know. kill some old-fashioned rivalries, unfortunately. But um, it would. I'm sure Dolphin fans would love to get out of the East and away from the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, moving on, uh, black and blue division here. Uh, two teams that really need to win: Lions at Bears. The Lions. Uh, I've said this multiple times to people. They might be the best. Uh, team with a losing record in the NFL. Oh, they, they find ways they to are, lose games. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. No, they, they're a team that should be a, a playoff team, in my opinion. They have enough talent to be to be so, but they have they have lost some, in some brutal ways. Um, the Bears are playing terrible. They've lost four in a row. And you said this game is in Chicago? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I, you know what? I'm going to go with the Lions. They're going to keep it rolling. I'm going to take the Bears, and I have no idea why, other than I just think they really, really need to win. I mean, I think their offense is just putrid right now, but I don't know. Well, if you could tell, I wasn't any more confident in my pick It could go either way. I feel like you could always flip a coin when the Lions and Bears get together to play. Yeah. So, Well, this game is not going to go either way. Baltimore at Cincinnati. Oh, gosh, yeah. If Cincinnati picks up their first win, that would be a huge disappointment to Baltimore after being the, the Patriots. So you just can't. Can't pick against that. I, I go Ravens. Oh, I think the Ravens are going to kill them. And I, I honestly don't know if Cincinnati is going to win a game. Uh, no. I think they're in the driver's seat for the first overall pick. So. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo at Cleveland. Well, Cleveland, this is what the point of the schedule this last week was when everybody thought, oh, you know, they, they got through the toughest part of their schedule, see what they can do. And then they go into Denver and lose. So I'm going to pick Buffalo. They're playing really well. they got a good defense. And I think they find a way to keep shutting down the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to pick the Bills as well. I mean, the Browns have struggled overall this year, but particularly at home, and I think the Bills find a way. Kansas City at Tennessee. I'm not sure if Mahomes is back or not, but Matt Moore got a big home win over the Vikings. Tennessee's so up and down. Who do you like in this one? Tennessee's defense could keep this interesting, but I think Mahomes is coming back, so I'm going to go with Kansas City. I think Mahomes or Mahomeless, I think Kansas City finds a way to get it done at Tennessee. I just don't know what to think of this Tennessee team. Uh, Falcons at Saints. Uh, The Falcons, I mean, we've talked about this too. I don't understand how 
they're as bad as they are, but I'm definitely going Saints now that Breeze is back. They're playing so well, and it's at home. Um, and somehow that's the first home team I've picked this week. <laughs> wow, that's that is wow. I didn't even notice yeah. that, but yeah, I think yeah. the Saints roll in this one. I think it's you know Dan Quinn. I think it's week to week to when he's got to get his pink slip. I think he's another coach that's got to lose his job. So yeah, I like the Saints. New York against New York. The Giants at the Jets. That's a stinker. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll go with the Giants. They're the better team on paper, so I'll pick the Giants. Yep, I think I agree. I like Daniel Jones right now better, and I like uh, Sam Darnold. And uh, yeah, I think I, and I think the Giants are better coached. They're not good, but they're better coached than the no. Adam Gase-led no. uh, Jets. So I like the Giants as well. Cardinals at Buccaneers. Buccaneers played really well for most of the game in Seattle and, and lost kind of a heartbreaker up there. So um, I think they'll be motivated to come back and pick up a win against Arizona, who's played pretty good, but um, lost now, I think, two in a row, so I'll go Tampa Bay. I like Tampa Bay there as well. You summed that up pretty good. The Miami Dolphins, coming off their first win of the season, traveled to the Indianapolis Colts, who lost a heartbreaker at Pittsburgh. You could say due to the leg of Adam Vinatieri, but the snap and the hold, the hold was laces out. But still, he's a veteran, greatest all-time kicker. He should make make that 43-yarder. Of course, he misses that after he makes the 51-yarder the week before against us. But uh, oh, yeah. Dolphins at Colts, I don't know. I don't know the latest on Jacoby Brissett, to be honest. I believe they're planning on starting Brian Hoyer. I'm not sure okay. either. I think that was kind of up in the air. His uh, sounds like an MCL sprain that shouldn't be too bad. Um, so at most, I've heard him missing one week, but I'm unsure as well. I'm going to go uh, Colts regardless. I do think, though, they've played to their competition on at, in every game this season. Um, so it would not surprise me if Ryan Fitzpatrick finds a way to keep this game close in a game that shouldn't be close in <laughs> the Colts. Um, win by less than a touchdown. I agree. I like the Colts in a in a close game. I mean, who wouldn't get pumped watching Hoyer versus uh, Fitzpatrick? <laughs> um, did you know Brian Hoyer is the fifth quarterback in NFL history to throw a touchdown for seven different teams? No, that's can you crazy. can you name me those seven teams real fast? Oh gosh, well Cleveland. Yep. Um, New England. Yep. Um. Uh, Buffalo? Not Buffalo. Not Buffalo. Ugh. Uh, this is tough. Hoyer, Hoyer, Hoyer. I can't even, I can't picture him on any other team. How sad is that? Uh, I got five more to go. I'll, I'll round them off for you real quick. Okay. Uh, Colts, Patriots, Bears, Texans, Browns, Cardinals, and I believe the... See, he played for the 49ers and the Steelers, but I think he only oh, threw a touchdown right. for one of them. And I think that was the 49ers. I don't think he threw a touchdown for the Steelers. So he's played for eight different teams, but throwing a touchdown for seven. I don't even remember him being on the Cardinals. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a journeyman, <laughs> journeyman quarterback. Yep. So, yep. Uh, Carolina at Green Bay. The Panthers announced today that Cam Newton is officially on the IR and his season is over. And I think his career is over in Carolina. I do, too. I'm going to go Green Bay. They're still, I think, one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the best, even though their record is um, three or two games behind uh, San Francisco. I'll go Packers. Yep, I'm, I'm going with the Packers as well. They don't lose at Lambeau very often. They're a really good football team. So, And I, I like Carolina, too, but I think the Packers are better. Um, interesting matchup here. you got the L.A. Rams at the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are all of a sudden at 500. 
I still just don't trust Mason Rudolph to win a big game against a really good team, so I'm going to go Rams here on the road. Yep, I agree. I think the Rams are better. Um, but if Pittsburgh finds a way to win this game, man, they're right back in the playoff consideration. Yeah, so. which would be wild. In your Sunday night game, oh, Dallas gets another primetime game. Imagine that. Minnesota at <laughs> Dallas. Um, well, Kirk Cousins on prime in primetime is never good, so um, I think Dallas finally found a way to kind of show who they could be in that second half against the Giants last night. So I'm going to go Dallas in this one, unfortunately. Yep, I like Dallas as well. I, th- I thought Minnesota had a big chance to get a win over KC and keep it rolling. They lost. Adam Thielen got hurt. Not sure of the status of him. So I'm taking Dallas. I'm taking the home team as well. I feel like I'm taking the home team in most of these games, but, yeah, that's the NFL. And we got a really good Monday night game. We got uh, Russell Wilson, who leads the NFL in uh, – uh, touchdown passes, and he's taking his Seahawks up to San Francisco, the last undefeated team in the league, and they are number one in pass defense. It's pretty amazing what San Francisco's defense has done going from last year to this year, um, and they're not going to go 16-0. and I think Seahawks are a really good team. It was your pick to uh, get in the Super Bowl they from were. the NFC this year, so I'm going to go uh, Seattle on the road in this one. You know, I was going to until you picked them, and I'm going to be different. I'll go with San Francisco. So, nice. so and it's then a toss-up game. Yeah, it, it, it should be a good one. It should be a fun one to watch. And your bye week for your fantasy football considerations, Denver, New England, Philadelphia, Washington, Jacksonville, and Houston. And if you're like me and your team's struggling so bad, you really just don't care at this point. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm having my worst year maybe ever, at least in recent memory. It's awful. So... Thank you to Andrew Luck for that. Um, yes. But uh, any closing thoughts here, Jeff? No, it's, um, you know, it's always good to be a Broncos fan, regardless of our record. I know we all wish it was better, but uh, I can say that, you know, like I stated in the start of the podcast, the record would not indicate, you know, how dedicated this fan base is. So it's nice to see. And it would be nice to have a little bye week here, relax, not not uh, watch some Broncos football for a week and come back strong against Minnesota. It, it definitely will be. And uh, this year at Orange Weekly, we are giving away those who contribute to our Patreon the chance to win monthly prizes as well as a grand prize at the end of the season. With tiers from $1 to $25 per month, you will get enter- entries for a chance to win one of our prizes. In addition, for every Broncos win during the month or month that you donate, you will receive five free extra entries for the monthly prize and the grand prize. So enter right now. You get five free entries for November since the Broncos won. So we really do appreciate your support because we wouldn't be here without each and every one of you. So please check out www.patreon slash Orange Weekly to be entered into the chance to win some fantastic Bronco prizes. And at Orange Weekly, we're always working hard to give you great Broncos content, whether it's the post-game podcast, which you're listen to right now currently or the pregame podcast with Jared and Matt or the Broncos After Dark Facebook show on Monday nights. The Beers, Broncos, and No BS show, Facebook Live on Tuesdays. That's our biggest show at uh, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Mountain Time. Whether it's the pregame shows, it's uh, Rays, Ragers, or any of our blogs on the website, we really appreciate you sticking with us, tuning in, listening, and keeping Orange Weekly moving along. So uh, with that said, Jeff, let's uh, rest up and get ready for Minnesota. Yes, sir, Tanner. Go Broncos. Go Broncos, Jeff.